that we could look at that literally it could be uh, exhaustive in thinking about how many uh, uh, people in the Bible we could look at. We would just be here for a long period of time. So my idea was not to hit everyone uh, in the Bible. If I missed your favorite character uh, in the Bible, I'm sorry, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, But what I wanted to do is draw out certain ones that would challenge us that the greatness of God that worked in the lives of everyone that we read about in the Scripture is the same God that will do it in you and I today. That is the great news of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ is he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Salvation is still available to all who will believe. And God is still the same God that did every miracle that we have read about in the Scripture. Every miracle that has been written and read about that we read in the Scripture, God is still the same today. I don't know maybe what your struggle is, and I don't know maybe where you are in life, whether you're riding a wave and God has just blessed you beyond compare, or whether you are in a spot in your life where you feel like you are needing God to intervene. One thing I will tell you, the greatness of God will break your paradigm. The greatness of God will break your paradigm. I don't know what may be your paradigm of God is today, but I can say with confidence, whatever it is, God will break that paradigm because he will not be put in your box. Whatever box you've placed God in, whatever it is that you've had a concept of him, I tell you, he's bigger, he's greater, he's way beyond the box you've created. That's a fact. So we're going to look at the life of Moses today. We're going to be looking in Exodus 33. That's where we're going to be looking. Exodus 33, we're going to be reading 10 through 23. For those of you who normally follow me in the NASB, I am reading the NIV today. So uh, be aware of that. Okay, we're going to be reading out of the NIV today. And we, I just want to give a little bit of background to you on Moses. Moses was an incredible prophet of God. Moses is uh, stated in the scripture as being the greatest other than Jesus. No one did greater miracles than Moses. Now understand it wasn't Moses, it was God. Okay, God doing them through him. But what an incredible testimony that here is a man that other than Jesus, God worked more miracles, we saw more intervention, we saw more of the greatness of God than in any other character in the Bible. May I then tell you that Moses did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. Now think about that. Do you under 
understand why Jesus says in John 12, greater things will you do than these because I am going to the Father. When Jesus went to the Father, he left us the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in you wants to do exploits for God. I think that the phrase, don't become so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, bothers me. I don't think I know it does. It doesn't sit right in my spirit. And I believe we've quenched sometimes people. I understand God has not called us to become so uh, uh, what we think would be spiritual that we do nothing and sit and just do nothing, become a spiritual drone. But if you really have the Holy Spirit, if you really have what God is wanting you to do, and wanting you to be, you will be more effective and more productive than anything. May I say also, you will have more joy, you will have more peace, you will have more of the the, uh, blessing of God on your life as you step out to do his will. Okay, so as we see Moses, Moses was a person that was raised by different parents in a different country. He was Jewish. He was raised Egyptian. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's wife found him, raised him up. There he was. He saw the oppression of the Jewish people who were in bondage at that time. God had sent them into bondage because of their sin. They were under the bondage of the Egyptian uh, uh, nation and government, and the burden on the Jewish people was incredible. They were slaves. Uh, We we don't have time to read it, but if you read it through the book of Exodus, it is an incredible thing that happened. And Moses was raised in this, and then something happened. He got to where he was so angry and indignant about what was happening, he actually stepped out and murdered one of these officers, Egyptians, that were, that were uh, misabusing and that were uh, uh, exploiting the Jewish people. And after he murdered, he ran into the desert. There in the desert, he meets a family and meets his future wife, begins to what he thinks is settle down and just escape it all. Have you ever been there as a Christian? God, I just want to settle down and escape it all. I've got so many things in the world that I don't want to be a part of. Lord, just let me escape it all. May I tell you, God, although he has not called you to be of the world, has called you to be in the world. I want to say that again. Although God has not called you to be of the world, God has called us to be in the world. The scripture says greater is he, meaning God and Jesus, in you than he that is in the world, in 1 John. Greater is he. He can give you the strength you need for whatever the circumstance is. 
He did it in Moses. The first thing he did, he came to Moses. He came to him through a burning bush. Now that had to be shocking. (laughs) That a bush on fire that is not being consumed would speak out. Okay? So then I'm getting to the scripture. Don't think I've missed it. I'm getting there. So he speaks to him through a burning bush. And then the snake turning into a staff, the water, the blood, he sends Moses. This is what I send Moses to to rescue his people, three million Jews. And he says, I'm going to take them out of Egypt. And so Moses says, well, gives all these excuses, and God has to go through every one of those excuses until he gets him to obey him. How many of you have been there? Don't we always have an excuse of why we can't do something for God? Moses, in talking with him, God says, "Uh, who is it that created your mouth, by the way? (laughs) Who is it that has created you? God says, I'll go with you. So he goes before Pharaoh and he does the snake turning into the staff and back again. He does the water and blood. He does these miracles. And so does the magicians. And so then God begins to work through the plagues that he sends on Egypt. And if you've never read this story in Exodus, you really need to do it. Because God, uh, Moses continues going back to Pharaoh saying, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. Every time Moses came to him, instead of hearing the word of the Lord and, and saying yes, he hardened his heart. And there as he hardened his heart through all of those plagues, to the last plague where God takes Pharaoh's firstborn son. And he becomes so angry that he sends him out. And after he sends them out, we all know in his anger, he decides to pursue them. He says, yes, I'll let you go, get out of here. And then as they're going, they think, no, I've got something better, I'm going to kill them. How many of you felt like the world has been that on you before? (laughs) You feel like the world is out to get you? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that the world entices us into sin, that the world entices us into uh, what it desires, and then after it has us, it leaves us alone (laughs) to destroy ourselves in the sin that it called us to. The only one that cares about you and I is Jesus. The only one who has truly loved us is Him. And here in the midst of this, the children of Israel are going and only to be caught in front of the Red Sea. And all of the children of Israel, of course, talk about the fact that God has led them out there or is he going to kill him? And we know that he didn't kill them. He split the sea. Literally, it says there were walls of water on each side. How that must have been. Ever thought about maybe being there? I mean, and and if you look at history, I mean, uh, it is an amazing thing how it always seems to line up with the Word of God. So they crossed the Red Sea, and by the way, while the Egyptian army ran into the sea to get them, 
As the children of Israel crossed and made it to the other side, God collapsed the sea and destroyed the Egyptian army. Then we have the children of Israel going through the desert and what should have taken them about a two-week journey took them 40 years because of their continued disobedience with God. Have you ever been there in your life? God loves us enough to allow us to wander. Do you hear me? We do not serve a God who forces you and says, you will do what I say. We serve a God who loves us, and even as we wander, he loves us. You read about it in the book of Exodus. He loved them even in their wandering. That's an amazing thing. So that's kind of where we bring the, uh, the story here. It's right after the final straw. They're wandering, they're wandering. Then Moses goes up into the mountain and he's gone too long. And if you don't know the story, the children of Israel, uh, Aaron invites them to take off all of their jewelry and throw it into this big pot and they make this big gold calf to worship. Because they say, God can't be found, so we need a God. Wow. Be careful if you're in a spot in your life where you feel like God isn't answering you, not to turn to worthless idols. This is human nature. But guard your heart. Guard your heart that it doesn't turn because the Lord is there. You may not see or hear him now, but he has never left you nor forsaken you. So in this, we're going to pick up the story then now, and we're going to read Moses. This is right after the golden calf, and Moses is meeting with the Lord, and we're going to pick it up at verse number 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And when I have removed my hand, you will see my backside, but my face must not be seen. How holy we serve a holy God. I know that holiness is not an in word right now. I know that holiness is not a word we hear about a lot from our platforms in America. But God has never left and it is still in vogue with him to be holy. I want to talk to you about four things this morning very quickly as we have talked about this story. First of all, I want to draw attention to you to verse number 2 of chapter 33. We didn't read it, but it is a very important verse. Turn there and get there with me. Let's look at it. It says, I, speaking of the Lord, this is the Lord speaking, will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezzasites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, for up to the land flowing with milk and honey, because, but, but I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. And then it says in that text, that when the children of Israel heard the God say this, they were, they were shocked and they knew we're in big trouble. <laughs> it's kind of like having your dad finally say, enough. And that, that <laughs> fear that grips you, knowing, you know what, uh, I have crossed the line. And there, Moses goes before the people. God said to Moses, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send my angel before you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm talking about me. If God were to say to me, Brian, I know I'm going to send an angel with you, I would be pretty happy. But praise God, Moses didn't say, okay. Do you hear me? Even an angel of the Lord is no comparison to his presence. I don't care who it is in the hosts of heaven. You need the captain of the host in your heart. You need him in your heart. You can't have an angel of the Lord bring you into heaven. You can't have an angel of the Lord being with you in this lifetime. You need him. And you need his spirit in you. 
Moses met with the Lord and it said like this. I have coffee in my cup this morning. I did it for a reason. Because the scripture says that Moses sat with the Lord like a friend would sit with another and talk face to face. This is Old Testament. Think about that. Think about the grace of God in that. And as they met face to face, the awesome thing about it, you write it down, we won't go there, Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, if anyone will open the door, I stand at it and knock. If you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you and sup with you. It literally means, I'll have coffee face to face with you. (laughs) Hallelujah! Praise God! I don't know how else to express it. I don't know if you're expressive, but I'm telling you, that exclamation point that you have in your life ought to take you through any trial. He is with you if you invite him in. But let me ask, have you invited him in? And if you've invited him in, have you relegated him to the closet of your house? Yes, Jesus, I'll invite you into my heart, but go sit in the closet till it's appropriate for me to pull you out and run you around a few times, make everybody look and feel good, then I'll shove you back in the closet and do my own thing. God has said that he wants to come in and have relationship with you, sup with you, talk to you like a friend. He talked to Moses that way. Then it says... In verse number 11, that was verse number 11, that he talked to him as a friend face to face. Then if you look, it talks about divine favor. Moses said to him, what else will, in verse 15, if you don't go, if your presence isn't with us, how will anybody know the distinction of us? You know those who are walking with God and those that aren't. The scripture says the spirit bears witness with your spirit that they are children of God. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they don't have flaws. Doesn't mean they don't have sin. Praise God, all of us still, although we're saved by grace, I got news for you, there's none of us who are sinless. But praise God, he gives his favor to us. And because of his favor, I am not destroyed. Hallelujah. 
That's good. That's what will distinguish you from others. That's why people should be looking to us as believers and saying, what is it about your life that I don't have? How can you go through such joy in the midst of your world falling apart because of Jesus? You say, I don't know, Pastor, if that's, if that's real. It is real. And if you have not experienced it, I challenge you, where else have you been turning? How is it working for you? Are you turning somewhere else? Are you turning to the world? Are you turning to your bank account? Are you turning to friends and family? As wonderful as they are, I will tell you, eventually they fail. Because nobody other than Jesus has you all the way. Divine favor. It was on Moses. To the point where God says, I will do the very thing you've asked of me. I will do the very thing you've asked of me. Divine favor is found in 1 Peter 2, verse number 9. Write that down, that's New Testament for you. And this is, says that you are a holy generation, a peculiar people. A people belonging to God. Called out of darkness, hallelujah. You have divine favor. Then may I say... Not only that, but God is with us. Just as he was with Moses, just as he says, I will do the very thing you've asked me to do. In verse number six, it says, I will, or verse number, I'm sorry, verse number 17. He says, I will do the very thing you've asked me to do. Now, let me tell you. God has given us an incredible, incredible mission. It is not just to sit here and fulfill your life with all the world has to offer, die, and then say, I'm done. One, uh, the, the sticker that just turns my soul uh, is he who dies with the most toys wins. That's tragic, but a lot of people are living their life like that. But I tell you what matters on that day. On that day, it will matter whether God has walked with you. He said to Moses, I will go with you. Moses talked to him enough, and he had favor in God's sight, and God said, okay, I won't send the angel. I will go with you. Wow. Do you know what Jesus says? Write this down. Matthew 28, verse number 10. 28, oh, I'm sorry, 2820. Boy, I'm getting my verses confused. 2820, listen to what it says. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When God gave us the Great Commission, he didn't say, I'm going to send an angel before you and he will help you. He said, and behold, I am with you always 
to the very end of the age. Guys, that is exciting. That is incredible. But let me finish this morning by talking to you about the most incredible thing that this passage says. That after all that Moses experienced, after all that Moses had seen, after all the encounters he had had with God, after having that face-to-face conversation with him, it said when, they, when Moses came down from being with God face-to-face, his face was so bright, people didn't want to look at him. <laughs> I, that, that, that intrigues me and encourages me because I say, God, I want to be before your face. God, I want people to know that you are in me. Are you just simply existing in your week to week? I encourage you, stop and seek God. Stop and seek God. He'll break your paradigm. Your paradigm of coming to church on Sunday morning to see God will be totally shattered because he'll meet with you on Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He'll meet with you. And there you can have one of the things that that I love on Facebook, uh, Brother Bartell has coffee with the Lord. He's one of my profs from Southwestern and uh, just uh, a, a dear friend, pastored in Kelso for a while. I was blessed to have him here for a while. Um, and he has coffee with the Lord. I love it because he literally talks in his blog like he is physically sitting with Jesus. And you know what? He is. He is! We need to understand that. But now I'm getting to the point. If that weren't enough for Moses, if that weren't the, the, the pinnacle of all, to have God say, okay, I will do the very thing you've asked in verse 17, because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. If I heard God say those words to me, I don't think I could contain myself. I I don't know. I would have a conniption fit. But listen to what Moses says. Verse 18. Then Moses said, Now, show me your glory. How long have you walked with Jesus? Have you walked with him 50 years, 60 years? Have you walked with him 20 years? Maybe you've walked with him a year? Or less? If someone would have been here this morning that have walked with God a hundred years, I will tell you, there's more. 
there's more. God is ready and willing to give you more. Here is the question. Where is my spiritual hunger? Where is it? Are we thirsty for God as Moses was? Are we thirsty for him to where we say, God, just show me a little bit more of who you are? Or have we got into where we say, you know, I've seen God do good things. I've experienced a lot of things. I'm coasting into heaven. God save me and forbid that I live my life that way for Jesus. Keep me, I pray, Lord, from that life. I want to go into heaven with the afterburner on. I want to go skidding sideways, burned up for his glory. I challenge you today. Whatever it is you've experienced with God to this point, he will break your paradigm. The question is, are you hungry for him? Do you want more of him? Or have you come to the place where you've just said, hey, I'm saved. Hey, I'm not a bad person. Hey, you know, I'm going to make it. There is so much more that God wants to give to you. So much more that I can't even describe. But I'll tell you, wherever you are, if you are willing, and if you have, the psalmist writes, Oh God, you are my God. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a possibility for more. Early will I seek you. Don't wait. Do it now. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I love one of the uh, I, I love Skillet and Lecrae. <laughs> I, I listen to them all the time. I was listening to Lecrae the other day, and I love the song where he says about boasting, and he says, "Willing to die thirsty, dying of thirst, but willing to die thirsty." Is that where you are in your walk today? Thirsty, but willing to die instead of say, God, I need more. I need more. Bow your head with me this morning. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
that run the Christian life in such a way as to get the prize. Run it in such a way as you were competing. Now, that is, Paul wasn't saying that if you don't run faster than the other person, you're not going to make it to heaven. What he was saying is, are you that serious about serving God? Are you that serious about what God's laid before you that like a runner, you go into strict training? And Paul goes on to say, I beat and buffet my body that I may pursue him. Let us be that serious about God. First, let me ask the question. Are you here and you need a relationship with Jesus? You need to have Jesus forgive you of all your wrongs. All of us have committed wrong. It's called sin. All of us have missed the mark. If you're here and you're needing, you know you are separated from God. You know your life is a wreck. You know that you have not done well and your life is out of control and you need Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to receive him into your heart. Would you slip your hand up? And I want to pray with you. Yes, anyone else here? 